I'm honored and thankful for this opportunity to be able to speak to all of you today. I am fairly new to Faith Church, and as a small groups director, I'm, I'm loving my new role and this new journey I'm on with all of you. Uh, one thing you should know about me, I love the Bible. Uh, I'm so thankful for it. God preserved every single word for thousands of years so that today we can read it. I mean, just the fact that we can get our phones out and read the word of God, to me, is mind-blowing. Unfortunately, sometimes I take it for granted. I, I forget how much truth is in it. So today, these moments we have together, I want to focus on the Bible. I hope I can be an encouragement to you today. But first, let's say some prayer just so that we can ask God to help us understand it. Lord God, we want to thank you for your word. It is perfect without mistakes. It holds the truth that we need to hear, even though it's often difficult to accept. Thank you for providing us with the freedom to hold your word in our hands right now. We pray that your spirit can use it to speak life into us, convict us of sin, and build us up. Please use me to help people understand what you want us to hear. We love you, God, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a little fact about me, I was born in Brazil and moved here when I was five years old. And so although I, I grew up here most of my life, I actually lived in Brazilian culture. And I'll give you an example. Growing up, uh, usually for dinner, what we had was rice, beans, and chicken. There was no, mom, what's for dinner? No, no, no. It was rice, beans, and chicken. When money was a little tight, it was rice, beans, and eggs. But then I met my beautiful American wife, Melinda. And the first time I had dinner with her family, uh, they laid before me mashed potatoes, asparagus, and ham. You could probably guess what I was thinking in that moment. Where's the rice and beans? They have not provided me with the essential food for survival. But after some time, I've realized that rice and beans don't need to be consumed at every single dinner. But even more than that, I learned more about my parents-in-law, that family. They, I learned that they really love me and they really care for me. So knowing that, I know now that I can ask for beans and they will provide that for me. In fact, they have some on hand at all times, just in case I show up. But even above that, I know they love and care for me, so I can ask them for any help in any situation, and they will be there. The same thing with my parents. I know how much they love me and how much they care for me, so I can ask them for help, and they will do everything in their power to help me. Do you have someone like that in your life? Maybe you're thinking of someone that you can call on at any time, and they will be there. Maybe your car breaks down in the middle of the road. You call that person that when you're in need, you know they love you so much, so you run to them. I find myself asking, do I view God that way? Do I run to God when I'm in need? Do I run to him first when I'm in need? Because I know what the Bible says, that God is provider, that every good and perfect gift is from above, but it's one thing to know that and another thing to actually believe it. Like, do I actually believe that God is the one who provides for me when the rent is due? Do I really believe that God is the one who provides me with 
oxygen. That he is the one who provides and helps me anytime. We may know he's the one who provides. We may even say it, but do we treat him like he's provider? In our time of need, is God the one we go to first or is he an afterthought? So if you struggled with this as I have, I'm here to say that you're in good company. I want to share a story with you from Exodus chapter 17. I'd love for you to read it with me. Exodus chapter 17 is a story of a time God's people didn't see him as provider. And we've been in this series called Revealed, where we have seen the person and character of Jesus Christ being revealed, not only in the New Testament or on Christmas Day, but all throughout Scripture. So we're going to spend a little bit of time in the Old Testament seeing how Jesus reveals himself to us. So let's read Exodus 17. I'm going to start from verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? So God's people are traveling in the desert from place to place, and now they're thirsty. And they complain to Moses, and Moses is like, hey, you've got the wrong guy. Your problem is not with me, it's with God. Why do you put the Lord to the test? And at first glance, their complaining is not bad. I mean, they're in the desert, they're thirsty, there is no water. Naturally, they're going to complain to the leader. But the word test here in the original Greek, it's a Hebrew actually, um, it means to put on trial or, or lawsuit. These people are judging Moses. They're saying, we're dying here. We're dying of thirst. Look at my children. They have no water. If my livestock has no water, there's no way we're going to survive this journey. But as they judged Moses, they were also judging God. So Moses is asking, why are you putting God on trial? And this all makes more sense when we understand what God was doing before Exodus chapter 17. So let me give you a couple of reminders of ways God already provided for them before. So in Exodus 1 through 13, we see God's people suffering in the hands of the Egyptians and God sends Moses to rescue them from Egypt. And once they left Egypt, God provided them with the ultimate navigation system to guide them through the desert. He led them through a huge cloud by day and fire by... Can, can you imagine how that was like? Did you ever imagine that? I mean, just let's say you were driving, bloop, navigate to Costco. And all of a sudden, a cloud appears in front of your car, guiding you at every turn and showing you the best parking spot. It's unbelievable. In these chapters, we can see how God provided them with his presence. Then going on, Exodus 14 and 15, we see God's people arrive at the Red Sea. The, the Egyptian soldiers are behind them, ready to attack. The Red Sea is in front of them. There is no way to go through. So what does God do? He splits the Red Sea, lets them through, and destroys their enemies. Can you imagine that? Let me help you try to imagine. Imagine driving on 22 during rush hour. And people are driving like they're crazy. I know that's hard to imagine, but just humor me. So you pray for God. 
you pray for his protection over your life and your family and your kids, then God makes all the construction disappear. And he creates two extra lanes and all the cars are split and you can just drive right through. A man can dream. So in these chapters, we see how God provided them with protection. In chapters 15 and 16, we see God's people get really thirsty and really hungry. So here goes God again, providing he turned the bitter water into sweet water and he sent bread from heaven. They called it manna. I call it heavenly waffles because the Bible says they tasted like wafers made with honey. So God provided them with water, with heavenly waffles for breakfast. He provided them with quail for meat for dinner. Here we see how God provided them with food and water. All throughout chapters one through 16, God proves himself to be provider. When they got lost in the desert, sure, I'll provide you with, the, with fire from heaven to light the way and guide you. When, when there was an obstacle in front of them, no worries, I'll simply defy gravity, split the Red Sea and provide you with protection. When they got hungry and thirsty, no problem, I'll provide you with fruit from the sky and purified water. Over and over and over again, he showed up and provided them with everything they needed to get to their next destination. But here's the thing, we all have our own chapters one through 16. God's people ran into obstacles and challenges and, and God took care of them every single time and he's done the same for us. We have our own Red Seas. He may not have split the Red Sea for you, but I'm sure he's taken you through an obstacle that was impossible for you to get through on your own. He may not have rained down manna from heaven, but I'm sure there was a time in your life where God provided for you at just the right time in just the right way. He may not have provided you with the pillar of fire to guide you at night, but he provided you with guidance through his word and his presence through his spirit. God is and always has been provider. But here's the problem. Sometimes when it feels like he's not providing the way we want him to, then we treat him like the Israelites do. We put God to the test. We put him on trial, right? Where are you, God? Why aren't you providing? Well, I, I see that you're providing, but you're not providing the way I want you to provide. This is not what I asked for. This is not what I wanted. See, it's easier for me to go to my parents and my in-laws for help. Why do I do that? Why do we do that? We know God is provider. Why did the Israelites do that after experiencing his provision repeatedly? Verse three and four, give us a clue. Check it out. But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. So these people have lots to say about leaving Egypt and lots to say about the lack of water and the lack of this. But did you notice what they didn't say? They didn't mention how God provided them with protection from the soldiers trying to kill them. They didn't mention how God provided them with his presence and his guidance and food and water. Why didn't they mention all of that? 
The writer of Psalm 106 tells us, I want to read Psalm 106, 7 through 14. It says, when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the, de- in the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. Did you catch that? They soon forgot what he had done. All throughout my marriage, I worked from home. And it was a blessing because I was able to stay at home for the first year of my daughter's life. And so my wife and I, we did everything together. We woke her up together. And we changed her diaper together. And we cleaned up messes together. And so so when I came on staff here, it was an adjustment that I needed to make. Uh, for example, one day uh, when I came home from work, I saw uh, Melinda on the couch and I saw toys everywhere and dirty laundry were in piles on the floor. And I said the word that a husband should never say to his wife. I said, what did you do all day? <laughs> and let me just say, God provided me with protection that day. He sent some extra angels to surround me. The issue wasn't my wife. The issue was the fact that I forgot how hard it is to raise a child. See, I only saw the current mess. I didn't see the other 13 messes she had cleaned up before. I only saw several piles of dirty laundry. I didn't see the 58 loads she had done before. And so because I forgot all that she does, I stopped believing in who she actually is, an amazing wife and mother. So I put her on trial. I tested her. What did you do all day? Why did I test her? Because forgetfulness can lead to disbelief. And this is why the Israelites tested God. Their forgetfulness led to disbelief. They forgot about all the ways he had provided for them in the past. And because they forgot, they did not seek him as provider. Instead of complaining and arguing with Moses, they could have just thanked God for all the ways he had provided, how he provided them with his presence and protection and food and water, and then asked him for help. They could have prayed, God, thank you so much for providing for all of us in so many ways. But right now, we really need water. Please help us. But they didn't do that. They tested him instead. So how did God respond to their their test? Check out verses 5 through seven. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Wait, wait a minute. So God saw how they forgot all the ways he provided. 
He saw their attitude and disbelief. He heard them question whether he was even there among them or not. But then he used that situation to once again show his character. On the surface, this is a beautiful story of God providing them with water once again. Even though they doubted and they tested God, he provided for them once again. But if we stopped here, we would miss out on a whole other layer. See, because the water there was not just water. The rock that Moses struck was not just a rock. It all revealed something else, someone else. The apostle Paul tells us about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you turn there with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll take a few seconds for you to do that. First Corinthians 10, I'm going to start reading from verse 1. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. Now check out verse 4. And drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Paul is saying that, yes, they ate physical food and they drank physical water, but it all pointed to the person of Jesus Christ. See, their issue wasn't the lack of food and lack of water and protection and guidance. Their issue was the fact that they didn't seek the one who could provide them with all those things. Our issue isn't that we need more food and a better economy and, and a better government and better gas prices and, and better health insurance and more, cov- and more comfort. Our issue is when we don't go to the only one who could actually provide us with everything we need. Wait, Tim, everything we need? Everything. So Paul connects the rock Moses struck with Christ. God said, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. And some translation says on the rock. So Moses struck the rock. And by the way, this wasn't a simple little tap. The word strike in the original language means to deliver a sharp blow. So this strike was actually meant to break the rock open. So Moses struck the rock, but then Paul says that rock was Christ. Wait, so if the rock was Jesus... And Moses struck the rock. Does that mean Moses struck Jesus? How does that make sense? Well, remember, the people were judging God, right? They, they put him on trial. A paraphrase of what they were saying was something like, what have you been doing all day, God? You don't understand me, God. You don't, you don't get me. You don't know what it's like to not be able to make ends meet. Even when you do provide, it's not the way I want you to. It's not enough, God. I'm tired of struggling. You should become human like us and experience what we're experiencing. How about you try living in the Lehigh Valley in 2021 with everything that's happening around us? How about you step down from your throne and join us in this misery? In church, that is exactly what God did. When Moses struck the rock with the staff, God was submitting himself to his own judgment. He took the blow so that he could provide his people with life-giving water. The rock was split. It was broken so that they might have life. Sound familiar? 
The body of Jesus was broken so that we might have life. This is a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. The prophet Isaiah says in in chapter 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The rock was split and water flowed out. When Jesus died on the cross, a soldier pierced his side just to make sure he was dead. What flowed out? John 19 says, blood and water. God is provider. That's his character. He provided us with life even in his death. So this is much more than just physical provision. Because yes, God is the one who provides us with protection and guidance, food and water. But Jesus' followers can also die of, of hunger and thirst. But God provides us with something even more important than physical food and water. He provides us with forgiveness of sin and eternal life in him. But here's our problem. We often forget that he provides us with all of that. We're forgetful of God's goodness and provision. So what do we do about it? How do we fix this? It's nothing profound, but I want to share with you two ways we can fix this. And I'm working on these myself. And, and I believe, I know these to be true. So the first one is this. I see God as provider by remembering his past provision. So that's it, Tim. All we have to do is remember how God has provided for us. Well, I think that's a huge part. See, because I fail to remember the ways God has provided for me. And I recently learned this when I took the Lead Like Jesus leadership class Faith Church offered, and we had an assignment to write our life story. And when I did, wow, I missed so much. I looked at my red seeds and my heavenly waffles, and it opened my eyes to all that God has been doing throughout the 33 years of my life. And do you know what I found to be true when I wrote it all down? God is provider. So I told myself I would not forget anymore. That's it. I told myself I want to run to God first like I run to my parents and my in-laws. I told myself that I would start writing in a journal so I could remember how God has provided so that in the future, when I don't believe he is who he says he is, I can go back to this journal and remember his past provision because then I'll end up seeking him as provider. See, I've tried a journal in the past about nice little notebook and my pen and started writing, but writing by hand just tires me and it's not really portable. I can't take it everywhere. So I just gave up. But now I'm thinking, well, duh, I can just type it on my phone. My phone is everywhere with me and and it's very easy. There's no excuses now. So now when my wife says we need to um, go to Target for 10 minutes, really I know it's 10 hours, um, I can get my phone out and start writing about the ways God provided for me that week because if I don't, I will forget. So I started journaling last week. It's been great. What if you join me in doing that? What if we all took steps to remember the ways God has provided for us? Maybe writing isn't your thing, that's okay. I mean, what helps you remember things? If you have a smartphone, you have a camera, you can record yourself saying the wonderful 
ways God has provided. Or, or perhaps you have a wall in your home that you can dedicate to display the ways God has blessed you. Hang a picture of your family, of your kids, of, of, of your friends. Hang a picture of something that represents a time in your life when God provided. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure you're thinking of something right now. It could be your child's ultrasound. It could be a diploma. It could be a rock. It could be a shoehorn. No one will know what that means, but you will. And when someone asks you, why do you have a shoehorn hanging on your wall? You can tell them the story of how God provided for you. And here's a second way we can fix this. I see God as provider by noticing small present provision. Maybe you're thinking, Tim, God hasn't provided for me. I'm a mess. Things aren't working out and they haven't been working out for a very long time. Listen, I hear you. I can't pretend I understand, but I believe you still have something that you can write in your journal. You can start the day by writing, I woke up today. Imagine if we all took intentional steps to remember how God has provided. Think of all the stories that could be told, the testimonies the testimonies of the hope that Jesus provided through his sacrifice, how he delivered us from addictions by providing a way through the Red Sea, how he provided exactly what we needed to accomplish what he called us to do. So the next time we think we're in need and God's not providing, we can remember it all and realize even if we lose everything, we have Jesus and he is everything. Let me say that again. Jesus is everything we need. And not only is he everything we need, he gives us even more than we need. But we often put God to the test. We forget about the ways he's provided in the past and we forget about the ways he's providing for us right now. And if you forget everything I said, speaking of forgetting, if you forget everything I said today, remember these three words, run to Jesus when you're in need, run to Jesus. When you feel like it's been difficult to make ends meet, run to Jesus. When you feel like you need protection and guidance in your marriage, run to Jesus. When you can't figure it out, run to Jesus. He's everything you need and he wants to bless you. He wants you to run to him. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for being our provider. Thank you for giving us another day to live. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to gather and worship you. Thank you for taking us through the Red Seas and providing us with the things we need to live. We thank you for our homes, our education, our jobs. You have met our needs in many ways, both physical and spiritual. You have given us the hope of salvation and eternal life. You have given us freedom from sin and a renewed mind. How can we forget about all of that? So Lord, starting today, we'll take steps to remember how you've provided and we'll use it to glorify you. Please help us to remember that you are provider. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.